Well, welcome to King's Arms. It is great to be here with you, and I am hosting here with Josh. Great to be with you, Josh. You too. I'm actually subbing in for Sue, who's not very well today, and I wasn't even quite ready. I've, I've got flip-flops on, so I'm not sure. Is that bringing down the professional standards? I think I made this big effort to look all professional, and you just rocked up on your flip-flops. <laughs> it's not appropriate, is it? But anyway, I'm holding on to the summer. I'm getting the last of the summer out, but yeah, it's great to be here definitely. together. Yeah. So uh, you guys over the past few weeks have been sending in pictures of you potentially on holiday and how you spent your time. Um, so we put together a little video which we're going to take a look at right now. It is great to see all your holiday photos. Hang on to the summer as long as you can. But we're going to go straight into worship now. Let's lift our gaze to Jesus. Let's lift our gaze to the one who is the reason that we live, the reason that we breathe, the reason that we have a hope, the reason that we have a purpose in a confusing, crazy season. Let's lift our eyes to him now. Let's pray together. Josh, why don't you just lead us? Yes, Lord, we worship you and we praise your name and we just thank you for uh, an opportunity to just lift up your name in worship. And uh, as we move into a time of praising you and worshipping you, we just ask, Lord, that uh, wherever we find ourselves right now, that you will set the atmosphere, that uh, your spirit will come and go before us and that um, as we spend this time with you in your presence, worshipping and lifting up your name, that uh, we will see awesome change. We will see um, amazing moves uh, and miracles even in that time and that you will just minister to us in your name, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. We just thank you that you are... Uh, wherever there's two or three gathered in your name, you're right there in the midst. And we just pray, come Holy Spirit now, as we worship you, as we lift your name, let your presence fill every home, let your presence fill every place that people are watching this and gathering, connecting together with this. Come Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence among us. We glorify your name and we say, Jesus, let your name be lifted high. Uh, amongst the nations, let your name be lifted high. Let's worship him together, guys. They laid him down 
so grateful Lord that you you have our heart that when we need you Lord we can always turn to you we're so grateful that you wrap us in your arms and you just love on us and we just want to thank you we just want to praise you Lord. we glorify your name
Yes, Lord, we just, Lord, we just pray for everyone whose heart, they feel like their heart has been wandering, that they've been drifting in their faith, they've been wandering in this season, just wondering where you are. We just pray, Lord, for uh, the red hot fire of yeah. passion for your name to grab each one of us again, that we wouldn't drift or wander or need other props to kind of keep us focused. But we pray, come Holy Spirit, grab hold of our hearts yeah. again. Let there be passion for your name rise in hearts. Let there be passion for who you are. Let disappointment fall away and let the passion for you rise in each one of our hearts, Lord, right across our community, wherever, wherever we're having to meet face to face or whether we're online, let there be a fire and a passion for Jesus that would grip us because you had a passion for us. You came for us. You sought us out. And Lord, we owe you our lives. We pray, Lord, that even in this season, we would be able to find ways to express that passion for you in your name. Amen. 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 Well, brilliant, guys. This is an opportunity uh, for us now to give. So if you are part of the King's Arms and you want to give to our community to support all the work that we do, uh, from the kids ministry to the youth ministry to the uh, gifts to the churches overseas, all the things that we do are only possible by those who are part of our community and who give to that. So this is our opportunity to give. You can click the button and give. Uh, many give by standing order online. You can find out details on the website about that. But let's take an opportunity as part of our worship to give to the work of God amongst us, shall we? Oh, hang on, and I've forgotten. It is now my job to introduce another video. We have got uh, Harvey now telling his story of how he came to faith in Christ, and that's coming up right now. Hello, my name is Harvey Tate. I've lived in Bedford now for 15 years. I have a wife, Jane, and I have two beautiful children, both girls, and I have a female dog as well. My parents used to go to church on in Christmas and Easter. Uh, I didn't really have much interest in it really. I went really because my parents took me and um, I didn't really have much choice about going. We've always had um, ups and downs and life has been quite tough at times. And uh, I've really used, um, I prayed really, quite emptily really, is that for a reset button. But my wife went to King's Arms and uh, she said, you must come along. But for me really, it was more being dragged along. And uh, I was that guy sitting in the audience, you've seen them all. I was sat there looking at my phone, not really, really being involved. Jane had been on Alpha and absolutely said to me, you must come along. You've got to have us get the feeling that I'm getting. But um, I went along really because Jane dragged me along. It's the best way of looking at it. Alpha was fantastic. It was a different time because it was during lockdown, so it was online. I didn't get to get the, the beautiful food that she had and um, meet the people. But I found it was really opening my eyes. I found that was what it, and it was great to connect with other people in a safe environment where I could ask questions. Before I felt very empty, and I realised I felt very empty, but now it's not about pressing the reset button, it's about having a conversation. And I find that really reassuring, and it's changed me to be a lot more loving towards other people, and I find this has helped me also in business and other aspects of my life. You must do it, because it'll answer those questions and it'll answer that self-doubt in your mind. So that conversation you have in your mind will be fulfilled. It is so good to hear stories of Jesus still changing lives today. He is still doing it all over the world 
and uh, Harvey's just one story uh, from that. And uh, Harvey was actually on the last online alpha course. It was the first time we did an online alpha course and it actually went really, really well. There's another one starting uh, this Tuesday. You can find out more details, kingsarms.org forward slash alpha. I'd really encourage you, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus and want to know more, get on that course. If you know people who are not yet followers of Jesus who you think might be interested, invite them to that course as well. It's just a brilliant opportunity to find out more, to discover in a great place online. So go for it. Yeah, and uh, I, I was saying to Simon actually recently that even in the midst of having a pandemic and being home and not being able to gather, God is still moving. I mean, even in our home, we were just doing morning devotion. And um, my brother, who's 17 now, Joel, hi Joel, um, was telling us um, that he didn't actually know how to give his life to God or how to engage, but um, we just told him it was really simple, that God just wants to know you. He just wants to get to know you. And uh, we went through a few questions with him and ultimately he gave his life to the Lord in our very own living room. Brilliant. So there good. were tears, there was <laughs> so laughter, good. there Come were on. hugs. It's just absolutely awesome. So it. God still moves, even in our homes, even when we can't gather, um, he still moves. And um, that brings us on to a nice little pause moment, actually. I think um, it'd be great now if we can all take time in our homes or wherever we may be, um, to just pause and to maybe lift up a prayer for those who don't know yeah, uh, the Lord, those who maybe have never encountered him or those who um, have maybe ex- had small experiences or, or any experience with him, but um, want to get to know him more. I think if we take this time, just a couple of minutes to lift up a prayer for those souls um, that they will come to know this Christ that we love and brings us so much yeah, joy. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go for it, guys. Let's pray now. Don't be passive in this moment. Uh, it's just a couple of minutes. Let's pray. Let's give ourselves to prayer. Let's seek the Lord for those who don't know Jesus around you, friends, family, work colleagues. Let's pray now. Let's seek with all our hearts to see him. And you can pray out loud in your homes if you're on your own. You can even put your ch- uh, uh, prayers in the chat. Um, let's just pray, shall we, for those who don't know Jesus now. Let's pray together.
Yes, Lord. Mm. We're just, again, so grateful for you and that you are a God who is close, who comes close and hears our prayers, hears our cries. And uh, as we lift up these prayers this afternoon, today, um, we just pray that you hear those cries and that you visit each and every one of those people that we've lifted up um, and draw them into relationship with you. Let them know your joy yes, and your God. love and your peace. And uh, we pray that we'll continue to pray without ceasing and yeah. uh, we'll continue to lift up the names uh, of those who uh, may want to get to know you or don't know you. And we yes, just God. ask, Lord, that uh, you just be ever present, Lord, that you just uh, continue to be consistent in our lives and in their lives and that yes, actually God. our lives will be a, a true reflection of you, Lord, yes, um, even in the way that we uh, we move and the way we are, Lord, that uh, when they look at us, Lord, that they will see your light, they will see your love, Lord, and that they will want to come and know you. More. Yes, God. Yeah, we just pray, Lord, for... For those like Joel, who are even in the midst of a pandemic, questioning, what, what am I doing? Where am I going? For those like me, 19 years old, completely lost, completely feeling completely lost in the world. We just pray, God, right now that you would arrest them, that you'd grab mm. hold of their hearts, that you'd show them there is a hope, there is a future where the world is saying, uh, your future's trashed. We pray, God, that the, the king of the future would break in right now yeah. and offer hope and peace and life and joy that we would see these things breaking out in our town, in our region. Lord, we just thank you for for those that are connected to those that are watching and those who are watching who are far from you. We pray, God, for breakthroughs. We pray, God, for the light to come on, that it would mm. shine in the darkness and offer the hope of the, of the world into their hearts. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we've reached that uh, very important part of today's service where uh, we're going to be handing over to the wonderful Phil Wilfew, who is still in the book of Nehemiah, um, and he's got a great word for you today. So get comfortable, um, get engaged, and here's the word. Well, hello. Thanks so much for joining us today where we are continuing our series in the book of Nehemiah. And before we continue with our passage today, I want to clear up one thing. A couple of weeks ago, Simon stirred up a hornet's nest by confessing his love for cats. Now, never have I seen so much chatter in the chat room on Sunday church, but I just want to clear it up for everyone. Clearly, the dogs have it, don't they, people? The dogs have it. Just want to clear that up. Um, and so today we are looking at this subject of rebuilding, which is Nehemiah's story. His story is uh, an incredible picture of what it looks like to rebuild a city that was in ruins. And of course, in the climate and culture that we're currently living in, we are facing as a nation in the UK this prospect of how do you rebuild a nation? And this was Nehemiah's task, his assignment in his life was to rebuild the ruined city of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah lived in the uh, season of the Persian Empire, who was, was the superpower of the day. Uh, they had conquered the Babylonians and they were the top world superpower of the time. And Nehemiah, who is a Jew, is living in exile away from his home uh, nation and his home city of Jerusalem. He is living in exile amongst the Persians in Babylon. And he is serving as the cupbearer of the king to King Artaxerxes, which is difficult to say with a full mouth. And he begins to dream and pray of a moment where he can return home and rebuild the ruined city of Jerusalem. Now, 
Just to put it in context, the city of Jerusalem had lain uninhabited and ruined, its walls broken down for 152 years. No attempt to go and rebuild Jerusalem had been successful for 152 years. I mean, just think what happened 152 years ago. The first listening to Tchaikovsky's first symphony or the invention of the light bulb. Like that's the kind of distance of time we're talking about. And yet Nehemiah begins to get a promise in his heart, a passion to go and rebuild. And so he asks the king for permission to go home to Jerusalem to rebuild the city. And what had not happened in 152 years under Nehemiah's leadership, they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in just 52 days. 52 days. This is a remarkable story of what happens when God comes on a man and he begins to rebuild with a timely assignment from God. And really the story of Nehemiah is a story of resilience and that's really what we're focusing on right across this teaching series is this theme of living with resilience in a world that's in trouble, in cities that are ruined and full of rubble, living with resilience. And of course the subject of resilience is really not that sexy, it's not that exciting, it's perhaps not that popular, Um, but it was Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, who once said this, that it was with great perseverance the snail reached the ark. Perseverance, resilience, long-suffering, just keeping on going are actually incredibly important virtues in the kingdom of God. It's so important that we talk about these things. And, you know, it's interesting when you just even reflect on some of the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know the fruits of the Spirit that it lists in Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Patience actually is one of the qualities of what God is like. He's incredibly patient. He's, if you like, incredibly resilient, which also tells us something else, that the enemy of our soul, Satan, does not have that same fruit of the Spirit. He is by nature impatient. And sometimes the best course of action open to us is to just keep on going, to refuse to give up, to refuse to change the subject, to just hang on to the coattails of Jesus and just obey and believe and trust and hold on to him, even if it takes a long time for the promises to come about. And that is Nehemiah's story. Here's a man who is resilient in his faith and ultimately his resilience led to revival. His resilience led to a remarkable and miraculous rebuilding Because what happens when you just trust God over the long period of your life is it opens up the possibility of God to suddenly come. And you never know when that moment is going to be. You're just waiting patiently on God and then suddenly it's the moment where he steps on the canvas of your life and he does what you've been hoping for to do. And of course, if you are familiar at all with uh, the Rocky stories, Rocky IV obviously is the best Rocky movie, but if you're familiar with Rocky Balboa, he of course is the epitome of the kind of modern version of just a fighter who never gave up. And I was gonna do the accent, but I didn't practice, so I'm not going to. But here's just a, a Rocky quote for you today. Rocky Balboa said this in his American kind of drawl. He said, going in one more round when you don't think you can, that's what makes all the difference in your life going in one more round when you don't think you can. That's what makes the difference in your life. 
And that's the story of Nehemiah, a man of resilient faith in the midst of great difficulty and great challenge. And I wonder if you are that kind of man, that kind of woman, a man or woman of resilient faith. And in particular today, as we come to Nehemiah chapter 2, we're going to focus in on this subject of Nehemiah's resilient hope. Resilient hope. That he was a man who carried a hope that transformed his circumstances. And so we're going to start reading together today in chapter 2 and verse 11. And let's read together right now. So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night and a few men came with me. I told no one what was in my, in what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me, but the one on which I rode. Here is the first point about hope, that hope starts as an inside job. Hope starts as an inside job. Nehemiah gets on his donkey or his camel or his horse and he rides into the, the ruins and the rubble of Jerusalem and he tells no one else around him the, the hope that's inside of him, the hope that he's carrying on the inside as a man who's walked with God and received private personal promises from him. And of course, this actually is the story of how God changes nations. If you read the Bible, actually, it's a story of God not so much gathering large crowds to change the nation. The Bible so often is the story of God just picking out one man or one woman and putting a promise in their heart that they believe God on. And then he changes a nation from that one promise, that one seed of hope that he plants. You know, whether it's Abraham or, or Noah or Esther or Gideon or Jeremiah, he calls these individuals and he says, let me give you a promise. And from that promise, God begins to change the environment around those individuals. This is how God changes nations. He actually doesn't need a massive crowd of people. He just needs one man or one woman who says yes and believes the promises of God. And that's what's happening here. Nehemiah has heard God in the secret place. And he is carrying hope as an inside job before it's an external reality. Nehemiah literally heads into the rubble of Jerusalem with nothing but a promise in his heart. He's got nothing yet other than a promise from God. And this is a very important principle for us to get hold of in a season where the nation and our towns and our neighbours need hope more than ever before. It starts as an inside job. I was in a conversation recently with Chris Vallotton, who's one of the pastors at Bethel in California. And he was sharing a story and he was saying that for them in their city in Reading in California, he said, we have discovered that hope is what transforms cities. If you can inspire hope as a church in your city, that's what ultimately will transform your city. It will turn it from the rubble to a city of revival and restoration and renaissance. And he said, I'll just give you a simple example. He said he was waiting in his car um, to go to a, a drive through restaurant and order a meal. And he said he was in a, in a queue of cars waiting to order their food from the kiosk outside. And as he came up to order his food, the person in the front car in front of him had already paid for his meal, just as an offer of kindness and honour. And Chris said he just felt so overwhelmed by that small act of kindness that he thought, well, maybe I should do the same for the cars behind me. And so he got out his credit card 
and he said, I want you to put $1,000 on my credit card and pay up to $1,000 worth for all the people behind me to get their meals. And there was a bit of a stunned look from the guy who was taking his food order, but he handed over his credit card and punched in $1,000. Well, someone else in the queue a few cars back soon found out that his meal had been paid for and he thought, gosh, that's, that's amazing. I'm so overwhelmed by this act of generosity. He thought, maybe I should do the same. So he got out his credit card and he put $2,000 on his credit card and he said, I want you to pay for everyone's meals that are gonna come behind me up to $2,000 worth. And, and Chris just said, those simple moments in a city's life, those moments where you transfer the hope that's on the inside to your actions on the outside can begin to transform a city. And I said to him, how do, you, how do you inspire that kind of culture? And he said, ultimately, that kind of culture can only happen if you carry hope on the inside. And my question for you today is, are you carrying hope on the inside? Are you carrying great and precious promises from God that you carry around with you that maybe other people around don't yet know about, but you, you are walking with God, praying through them, thinking about them. You're a hope carrier on the inside. Because the reality is if you're going to lead others in hope, you've got to go there yourself first. And I think one of the things that God is teaching us in this season as he takes away all the external trappings of church as we know it, as, as a gathered church in terms of being able to sing and worship together and gather as we're accustomed to doing, one of the things that God is doing is he's forcing us to understand where hope really comes from. Actually, it's the joy of the Lord that is my strength. The joy of the Lord. Yes, there's joy in gathering with other Christians and I can't wait to do that again. But ultimately, I've got to find my hope in God and then transfer that around me as I live life with other people. And ultimately, Nehemiah spends three days in the city walking around with this hope on the inside. And of course, this is an amazing picture of ultimately what happens in Christ, that Jesus goes to the cross and accomplishes in three days what no one else could in the whole of human history. He goes to the cross with an internal hope, with an internal knowledge of I'm going into the grave, but I'm coming out the other side victorious and glorious. Jesus had a hope on the inside. It says for the hope set before him, the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus saw it here before he saw it out here. So hope starts as an inside job. Second thing to note is that hope starts at the rubbish gate. Hope starts at the rubbish gate. We read in verse 13, I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate. And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall and I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I'd gone or what I was doing and I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials and the rest who were to do the work. So the second thing that Nehemiah begins to do is inspect the walls and he does so by entering through the only two gates that are passable by a donkey the valley gate and the dung gate. These are his entryways into the rubble of Jerusalem. Now you've got to understand something about gates in the Old Testament. 
Gates were not just the entrances to the city, gates were the places where culture was formed in the city. So it's where the elders would congregate at the gates to do business and discuss theology and make decisions about the community. It's where business leaders would get together and discuss business and trade. It's the place where uh, justice was done at the gates. The, the gate actually was about culture in the city. So gates were an, a, very, a very important motif, a very important totem for, for culture in the city. And so Nehemiah is entering through these two gates in Jerusalem and the valley gate and the dung gate specifically. This is where Nehemiah's hope revival starts at these two gates. Now, what we know about those two gates, firstly, the valley gates literally led into a valley. Uh, Some people now know it as the, the valley of Gehenna, which is the word that Jesus used for hell. We know that Gehenna was the site of a mass slaughter in the past in Israel's history. It was a place where uh, there'd been a, a massive battle and a huge amount of bloodshed in the valley of Gehenna. That's the valley gate. And then there's the dung gate. And as you probably guessed it, the dung gate is where they put all the poo. It's where they put all the excrement. It's where they put all the offal and all the rubbish from the city. That all went out the dung gate. That's where they put it. And so these are the two gates that Nehemiah enters in as he begins the task of rebuilding the city. What's the point about this? Well, the point is that a hope revival often starts in the most unlikely of places. It starts at the rubbish gate of people's lives. It starts amongst the least likely. It starts often amongst the marginalized, it starts often amongst the outcasts, it starts often amongst the people that look less sorted or less put together or less religious. Actually, hope revivals so often start in those places because that is the nature and the character of God. He didn't come for the religious and the righteous. He came for sinners. Praise God. He came for people like you, people like me. He came for people who didn't have it all together. And that's the point of the gospel. Hope starts at the rubbish gate of our lives. Jesus started his ministry this way. He didn't start amongst the influential. He started amongst the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors. Just think about Jesus' team, his team of 12. You know, he has a former terrorist on his team. He has a former tax collector for the Romans. He has a guy who cut someone's ear off with a sword. You know, he has, you know, James and John who want to call down fire on their enemies. This is Jesus' team because he started with the unlikely because he brings hope into these places. He brings hope into the darkness. You know, I recently heard a story of some friends living in a nation, a closed nation to the gospel, where if you openly share your faith in Jesus, you will definitely get arrested and you will probably get tortured. And I heard this story last week of some friends who were given 60 bags of rice to take to people who are starving in a remote village in this particular nation. And because of COVID and because of poverty, they were starving. And we managed to uh, help them raise some money to buy 60 bags of rice. The trouble was they had to drive an articulated lorry with these 60 bags of rice past a police checkpoint before seven in the evening or they would get arrested and possibly persecuted um, and tortured. And of course, because they were hope carriers, they thought, well, let's go. (laughs) Let's jump in the lorry and see what God will do. 
and they knew that they weren't going to get past the checkpoint at seven o'clock. In fact, they reached it at 10 p.m. in the evening. And as they went, they were just praying, God, please, will you deliver us? Please, will you help us deliver this rice to people who need it? And as they arrived at the police checkpoint, they discovered all the guards fast asleep at the wheel at the checkpoint. And they managed to sail through and deliver the rice to the people who needed it the most. Listen, you've always got choices. You can either complain about how dark it is, about how difficult it is, or you can jump in the lorry and you can pray, God, be with us. Help us to deliver hope where it's needed most. Do you know, you might look at your circumstances right now and think it's pretty bleak, it's pretty dark around here. Well, listen, those are the places where hope gets ignited first. So my challenge to you and my challenge to myself is, in which dark place is God calling you to be a hope carrier? Nehemiah started at the Dung Gate, at the Valley Gate, because that's where hope is needed the most. And then lastly, verse 17. I said to them, you see the trouble we're in, how Jerusalem lies ruined with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. This is our last point. How do you then start to inspire hope in other people? Well, this is what Nehemiah starts to do. He starts to share the story, share the vision with the people that are actually going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He does three things. Firstly, he helps them face reality. He says, see the trouble that we are in. Let me tell you that if we're going to rebuild cities, if we're going to rebuild lives, it starts by facing reality. Blind optimism doesn't actually help us build the wall. It says of Abraham in Romans 4 that Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead and yet was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. But you notice where he started. He faced the facts. It's very important to start there if you're starting to gather other people to build with you is actually say, this sucks. This is dark. This is difficult. This is challenging. And it's only actually when we get to grips with the reality that we can begin to see God's perspective on it. So I'd encourage you to substitute blind optimism for God-given faith, which looks at the facts, but actually says, God, I know that you can do it. That's how Nehemiah starts. But secondly, what Nehemiah does here is he starts to paint a picture of a better future. He says, come, let us build that we may no longer suffer derision. He begins to give the people a vision of, of the what and the why. Here's what we're going to do and here's why we're going to do it. You know, we are in derision. So come on, let's do it. God is with us. Let's rise up and build. And I want to say to us, church, if you are listening to this today, this is not a moment to throw in the towel. This is not a no moment to throw in your confidence. This is not a moment to sit on the back foot or to sit on your sofa. This is a moment to say, God, 
What do you want to do in this cultural moment of our nation? How do you want to use me? How do you want to use us? I tell you, friend, the greatest days of the church are still to come. They're not behind us. They're ahead of us. I think in many ways, this crisis that we're in could be one of the best things that's happened to the church in a very long time because it's going to force us to depend on God and ask the big questions, the what and the why. Let us rise up and build together. King's Arms family, this is a time to rise up and to build together. And then the last thing that Nehemiah does to inspire hope is that he begins to tell his own story of faith. He says, I told them with the hand of my God that had been upon me. He backs up his vision by telling stories of faith. And again, as we've been looking at in previous weeks, one of the greatest weapons God has given you and I in this season is to tell our stories. Tell your stories. And I'll finish with this. I was talking to a friend this week who went to a job interview and it was the fourth interview that he went to. And he was being considered for a job and he, he uh, had had somewhat of a checkered past, bit of a history, and they asked him about it because they saw it on his job application. And they said, tell us, how have you changed from that person into this person? And he said to them, are you sure you really want to know? <laughs> and they said, yes, we want to know. How have you changed so much? And he said, well, he said, I encountered Jesus and he transformed my life. And he said, Jesus took me from being hopeless to be a man full of hope. He's restored my life. I'm now married. I have my own family. I'm a completely different person because of Jesus. I tell you, when you begin to tell your story, you begin to ignite hope in other people. And they start to conclude, as these people did, let us rise up and build together. This is near my story. It's a story of resilient hope. And I'll leave with just one more Rocky Balboa quote. He said, every champion was once a contender who refused to give up. Friends, can I urge us and encourage us to be resilient in our faith? Because when we are, we invite God onto the canvas of our circumstances and you never know the moment where God could suddenly show up. 152 years, suddenly God does it in 52 days. Friends, let's just hold on to the coattails of Jesus like Nehemiah did in today's story. Amen. Thank you so much, Phil. I love um, Nehemiah 2 verse 20. I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. The God of heaven will help us succeed. And that's what we're asking for in this season, isn't it? That in all that we're doing, with all the craziness, we are saying, God, if you don't help us succeed, we are not going to succeed. So I just want to, wherever you are at home, why don't you just lift your hands. I just want to pray, Lord, we just thank you that we are not on our own, that the God of heaven is with us and that you will help us succeed, that if you help us, as it says, if the, uh, unless the Lord builds a house, those who labour, labour in vain. But we thank you that you are building the house, that you are working with us, and that we're on not just our mission, but on your mission. And we just thank you that you have sent us. And we just say, come, King Jesus, be in everyone, be with their plans. If they're even doing the wrong thing, help them, direct them, guide them. If they're doing the right thing, strengthen them and give them fuel. And we just pray this week that we would know that the God of heaven, the God of heaven is helping us to succeed wherever we are scattered across our region, even across the world. We thank you that you are the God of heaven who helps us succeed. And we pray your blessing 
on people's plans, on the things that you've put in their hearts, the things that you've stirred them to do. We thank you that you are with us, that we are not on our own. You promised that you would never leave us or forsake us. And we pray for that real sense of present help, particularly those who are in trouble. We thank you that you are a present help in times of trouble. And those that are in trouble this week, we pray for that sense of your present help. Help us to rebuild the walls of our towns and cities. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us this week, guys. It's great to connect together. Have a blessed week. Bye. (laughs) I think we're giving one take Wilson, Steve Wilson, a run for his money right now. (laughs) (laughs) Steve, Steve is so last week. (laughs) Oh, gosh. We love you, Steve. (laughs) Yeah, I'll go like that. So that's next song, rather than carry on. Go around, yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. There's a difference. Forwards is carry on. The little, like, flick is next song. <laughs> it's subtle, but it works, guys, OK? And I just want to clear something up before we get into today's text. Oh, I'm going to start again. Sorry about that. <laughs> text, today's text. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Josh has got his crisps. Got his can of Coke. <laughs> 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 <laughs>